I'm Jason McClellan. I'm here with Shane Hurd today. Thanks for hanging out with us. We're recording this episode in mid-April of 2020, which means we're still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. We mentioned on a previous episode how it would be interesting to see how this global health crisis affected UFO sightings. On one hand, it would make sense for sightings to decrease because people around the world are under stay-at-home orders, so you have fewer people driving to and from work every day or going out to restaurants or anywhere else. On the other hand, it could be argued that sightings should increase right now because many people find themselves with more free time right now and they're stuck at home, so perhaps they have more time to watch the sky. Well, on April 2nd, The Telegraph published a story titled Coronavirus to Blame for Record Number of UFO Sightings in Belgium. And on April 13th, The Daily Star ran a story titled Coronavirus Pandemic Sparks 30-Year High Spike in UFO Sightings Worldwide. So today we thought we'd take just a few minutes to talk about some UFO sightings information from this year so far to see if the data backs this up. So Shane, I guess we should first look at the numbers from this year. Do you know how many UFO sighting reports were filed with MUFON in January, February, and March? Yeah, so for the month of January, there were 371 reports. Then in February, it dropped a little to 322. And then in March, interestingly, 647. So it did spike during the month of March. Yeah, that's a big jump. Um, so I guess mm-hmm. the important thing here is to look at how those numbers compare to last year. So do you know how those months that the numbers look for those months last year? Yeah. So in January of last year, there was actually a few more reports, uh, 484. Then in February, uh, I was a little bit less than this year at 308. And then kind of the big comparison would be to March, where last year there was 372 compared to the 647 this year. So even though it's not a lot of data to work with and you can't make a, you know, a certain conclusion, I mean, it does suggest that there certainly is an increase of reports in March of this year. Yeah. And... You know, it's too early now, but I mean, because we're only halfway through April, basically. But I'll be really curious to see April's numbers. Yeah, me too. That that's the big one, I think, April, because the majority of of the the you know stay at home guidelines began to be applied more fully during that month of April. So exactly, you know, I think that is is a a, a good one to have. So yep. yeah, and another thing that you know we have to think about is. You know, looking at these numbers and how they compare to last year, they're not that different when you look at January and February, but March, this big leap. And so, you know, you have to consider what might have happened in March this year versus March last year, not coronavirus related, that may have also contributed. Because one thing we do know, certainly, is that SpaceX's Starlink satellites have been responsible for countless UFO sighting reports in recent months. Um, Currently, there are more than 360 of those satellites in orbit, and that number is just going to keep increasing. So, you know, who knows if they were more visible in March than they were in February. But, you know, that's something important that uh, could be looked into as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm I'm certain that accounts for some of it. Um, Even here in uh, 
Arizona, Arizona MUFON, uh, when there is a, a, a passing of these cluster of satellites over the, um, the state that we do get a rash, you know, can be a dozen to 20 reports. And so I think that's pretty significant. But we, we've, um, MUFON has posted uh, on their uh, website, MUFON.com, that, um, you know, the Space Link satellite light system is out there. It is accounting for a lot of reports and they even have some sample videos so people can check that out and look at it and make a comparison to what it is that they have seen. So, um, and it's pretty distinctive and it's impressive. And I say, you know, still, wow, it's, it's cool. It's awesome to see. Have you um, seen but, it? But in fact it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've yes, seen it? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I still have yet to see it. So I know when I see it, you know, oh, it's yeah. going to be kind of remarkable because I haven't seen it yet. When I see it, I'll know what it is yeah. because you know, I've, I've seen yeah. it and prepared for, exactly. for when I see it, but it'll still be, be, you know, sort of a wow moment for me being able to see that. And certainly, you know, this isn't something that people see every day. Like I said, I still haven't seen it. And when you see something that you've never seen before or, you know, aren't used to seeing on a daily basis, it's bizarre. So that it, it's, it's, it stands yeah. to reason that a lot of people are reporting these things as UFOs because they look alien in the sky. Yeah. And think about it, even for just, you know, space fans, not, not uh, those interested in UFOs so much, but in history, there's never been this sort of configuration of satellites. There might be like a exactly. two or three or four, but to see 50, 60, you know, certainly 20, 30 at a time. I mean, it's never been seen before. So you cannot uh, criticize anyone for being impressed by that. That's exactly. you know, totally fascinating. And, and it, it's ultimately going to get up to, I think, 12,000 satellites. I mean, I don't even know what that's going to do, you know, for the night sky on a permanent basis. I mean, you know, it literally can change our skies forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they describe this as essentially an artificial constellation. That's what they they built with these satellites. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we mentioned the the increase the the spike that we've seen in sightings for the month of March. But I mean, don't we? Not necessarily every year, but don't we typically see not necessarily patterns, but you know, these odd jumps in UFO sightings throughout history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, uh, Cheryl Costa uh, recently published this book, The UFO Sightings Desk Reference. Yes. I don't know if uh, folks have had a chance to see it, but it's an amazing compilation of UFO statistics, and it slices and dices in a million different ways. But um, I just thought I'd quote from the foreword, uh, Richard Hoffman. Um, he is a longtime MUFON guy, and he's actually a defense contractor uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, has worked with NASA and, and the Army and so forth. And he wrote a foreword, but uh, one of the paragraphs he wrote, I think, really kind of sums this situation up. Maybe I could just read that. Yeah, sure. Okay, it says, So while sightings of unidentified flying objects or UFOs are nothing new, and collection of reports from solid, credible citizens have been amassed over the many decades since the late 1940s, Much has been learned by the analysis of the data collected. And here's kind of one of the points. First, we can see that there are periods of heightened activity in certain areas over a short period of time, an event we call a flap, F-L-A-P, flap. These flaps 
may be brought about by man-made or natural phenomena or biologics we cannot account for and refer to as unknowns. Next, we learn from reports that the majority of cases are at night. Witnesses can easily see a light moving around on a dark background than a dark object on a light background. Many of us fail to notice the many aircraft moving at 40,000 feet above our heads during the daytime hours. The unfortunate issue about evening sightings is that they provide us the least amount of details about the object or objects and are most often misidentification of known objects like aircraft, bull even Chinese lanterns released in many holiday or ceremonial events. Yeah. So I think really this kind of speaks to the situation. Are we in a flap that, you know, has a man-made um, basis, like, you know, the a response to COVID, <laughs> like mm-hmm. we're talking about? Or or could it be, you know, uh, something astronomical or, or even, you know, true unknowns? And so um, this is not anything new, but, you know, obviously with COVID and this stay-at-home situation, I mean, that 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 is new and that you know is going to bring about some kind of impact on it and maybe unexpectedly yeah that's interesting and you know something we point out with ufo sightings all the time is that ufo sighting reports can't accurately represent the number of ufo sightings because a very small number of people who see ufos actually report the ufo sightings and, you know, we don't yeah, know about those. Point. All we know are the ones that are reported. And so that's probably an important thing going on right now, too, is that people might have more time to actually file a UFO report. Because if you report with somebody like like MUFON, if you've never taken a look at the reporting form, it's quite robust. <laughs> and, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very yeah. good. It, it, it uh, you know, pulls a lot of important data to help categorize these things and, and uh, you know, file them appropriately. But they do take a lot of time. And I've said many times before, with all of my UFO sightings, I've, I've never reported a single one <laughs> just because I've never yeah, bothered to take the time to fill out the form. So, you know, with people yeah. who have more free time right now, if they do, that could potentially explain why a number has gone up because – they're sitting around and they're all, well, I might as well file my report, my UFO sighting. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And, you know, there's kind of, it's not a joke. I won't say it, it's not a joke, but it, it's an interesting tidbit in ufology, especially in the investigation world, where um, many reports come. I, I cannot tell you how many times this happens where they start out by saying, I was out walking my dog exactly. or I was out taking a smoke yep. <laughs> and I saw this, you know. So um, that was sort of another little spin I was thinking about in terms of even with the COVID thing is, you know, people are, you know, going out in the backyard more, taking their dog for a walk and doing those sorts of things. So which is already a classic situation for the sighting of a, of a UFO. Yeah, so, that's such a good point. You know, maybe that's uh, part of this too. Yeah, it's kind of kind of cool. That is cool. Well, like I said, I'm I'm excited to see see April's numbers. So we'll definitely have to keep watching those and have to revisit this conversation once we have those to see. And then, I mean, as the months coming up 
um, you know, and hopefully things start changing in the world and we can all go back outside. Yeah. Uh, we can we can see what happens to those numbers. But then again, other factors come into play, like summer months, you know, where it's typically warmer for people mm-hmm. and more people are outside. And so it becomes yeah. difficult to tell how much can be ascribed to COVID. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I really recommend folks go ahead and look at Cheryl Costa's book. Uh, Cheryl and Linda published this thing, uh, and it stats basically um, 2001 through 2015. But, you know, they kind of slice and dice the, the sightings in a million different ways that actually do suggest, you know, causal activity and things. And, and what's cool about it, too, is that it's localized, you know, county, state, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So you, it'd be fascinating, just a fascinating read and a way to look at how statistics, you know, can really help you draw conclusions, you know, based on data. And actually, it can be quite surprising. So I, I really recommend that. And I enjoy looking at it. And when I you know, work on certain cases, I, I will just go, how many, you know, how many triangles, you know, at night, you know, in the month of July or whatever, you know, you can break it down like that. And it, it ends up being pretty fascinating. It can help help you, you know, come to a good conclusion on your case. So love that thing. It's an amazing resource. And for anybody who's looking for data, anybody who's a, who's a statistics geek, that is a, such mm-hmm. an invaluable tool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, citizens, that's going to do it for this episode. You can find more episodes of Unknown on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And leave a positive review for the show if you feel so inclined. And we recently launched a new show called The Skinwalker Debrief, a show hosted by me, Maureen Ellsbury, and TJ Allard, one of the executive producers of History's new show, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. We dissect each episode of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. TJ provides an insider's look into the show, and we even have guests from the show who provide their perspectives as well. The Skinwalker Debrief is available as an audio podcast as well as a video show on YouTube. We post new episodes each Friday, so check that out. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. And I'm Shane Hurd. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth as the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And, of course, stay strange. Stay strange.